Welcome back to the Badass Literature Society, where badasses come together to rate and review novels recommended by you. Hi, I'm Michael. This is Barbara. I'm Lauren. This month we read Leviathan Wakes by James S.A. Corey. This was my pick this month. Uh, As you guys know by now, we split the podcast into two sections, a spoiler-free description and our overall score, and then a more in-depth discussion of the plot and the ending, which is obviously going to be spoiler-heavy, and our individual scores for the book. Let's first talk about the author. James S.A. Corey is the pen name used by collaborators Daniel Abraham and Ty Frank, authors of the science fiction series The Expanse, which Leviathan Wakes is the first book of. The first and last name are taken from Abraham and Frank's middle names, respectively, and S.A. are the initials of Abraham's daughter. The name is also meant to emulate many of the space opera writers of the 1970s. Now Barbara's going to tell you about some of the accolades. Okay, so it was originally published on June 2nd of 2011. The genre is science fiction in mystery. It is 577 pages. It currently has a 4.26 out of 5 on Goodreads and a 4.4 out of 5 on Barnes and Nobles. And it was nominated for the following awards. The Hugo Award for Best Novel from 2012. The Locus Award for Best Science Fiction Novel in 2012. The Audi Award for Science Fiction from 2012 and Goodreads Choice Award for Science Fiction in 2011. Perfect, and now Lauren is going to give us the jacket cover synopsis. Humanity has colonized the solar system, Mars, the moon, the asteroid belt, and beyond, but the stars are still out of our reach. Jim Holden is XO of an ice miner making runs from the rings of Saturn to the mining stations of the belt. When he and his crew stumble upon a derelict ship, the Scopuli, they find themselves in possession of a secret they never wanted, a secret that someone is willing to kill for, and kill on a scale of unfathomable to Jim and his crew. War is brewing in the system unless he can find out who left the ship and why. Detective Miller is looking for a girl, one girl in a system of billions, but her parents have money, and money talks. When the trail leads him to the Scopuli and rebel sympathizer Holden, he realizes that this girl may be the key to everything. Holden and Miller must thread the needle between the Earth government, the outer planet revolutionaries, and secretive corporations, and the odds are against them. But out in the belt, the rules are different. And one small ship can change the fate of the universe. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> All right. So let's dive in. Uh, what did you guys think about Leviathan Wakes? And remember, no spoilers. So I, I liked it just fine. I'd say um, I didn't dislike it, but it's also not like one of my favorite ones that we've read currently for the podcast. Um, I felt like it was a little slow at times, and it was a lot of information dumping as far as, like, space traveling, and I don't really get too much of that, so I was like, I feel like I was Googling stuff just to be like, what, what is this? Um, but, um, I did enjoy the characters and stuff like that, and the overall story was interesting. It was... I just feel like I wanted more from this book, so it makes me curious, and since it is a seried one, I'm curious to know if Continue On is just going to keep building upon itself and get better. So I am curious, and probably will read at least the second book, just to kind of see how I feel about it, because I feel like this was more of an intro book. That makes sense. Uh, Kind of an introduction to get the... Just like the characters characters and the the universe that they created. Um, 
So, I mean, it, it, it is standalone. Like, it finished the story. So it's kind yeah. of like Harry Potter in that sense. Oh, Harry Potter. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's how, so that's how one, of our, one of my friends described it to me, too, is that it's uh, the series, there's an overarching story like there is in Harry Potter, but it's uh, each book you can consume individually and still, you know, get, a, get an idea of the whole story. Uh, yeah. I really liked the book. I liked the Viathan Wakes. Um, I, I am a big sci-fi fan, so that's probably not surprising. And I'm the one that picked this book, so that's also probably not that surprising. But um, I, I really enjoyed it. It was uh, it was a good read. There were times where it was a little bit slow. Um, you can attribute some of that to the world building and some of that um, to the authors wanting to get the the stuff they were talking about in space. They wanted to get the science correct, and uh, that's. One of those things where, like, yeah, those parts were a little bit slow, but it was also like you got to give them credit for trying oh, or I, making the effort to get the science right about space. I thought they did a wonderful job at that. Like, I never read. I mean, I guess I'm not in reading a lot of space novels or space odyssey novels or whatever this is technically space called. Space opera. opera. Oh, sorry, space opera. My bad, guys. <laughs> um, but like, they were so technical. It's stuff that I like the small other books that I've read before like was like oh yes and humans can breathe out you know and blah 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 but like really they got very technical and I really enjoyed that like I love the universe I thought that was very interesting educational yes very much so so yeah the general gist of it for me is yes I really did enjoy the book um I I think this is going to be one of those episodes where the first half of the podcast is going to be shorter because they're is only so much you can talk about for getting into spoiler ter- territory because of the mystery and stuff around some of it. Like, you can talk about some of the characters, but limited yeah. to talking about the plot. Uh, I did really enjoy the characters. I thought they were well-written. Um, you only get two character perspectives in this one, um, but apparently in future novels in the series, you get more and more character perspectives. But I thought that the ones that we, we were given were uh, were good choices, uh, polar opposites in as far as the characters, and that was so that was cool to see the different perspectives and um, from totally different people with different backgrounds, personalities, and how they're viewing similar stuff that's going on in the universe. Lauren, what do you think? Um, I thought it was okay. I will say that I am probably not going to be seeking out any space opera books in my future. Um, as as many of our listeners may have picked up on, I think that I'm probably the least apt to read the super out there sci-fi novels in in the pod um (laughs) michael is like king of the sci-fi yeah and barbara you like sci-fi more than i do um i'd say i'm like i'm open to read them like i'm i enjoyed this i like actually really enjoyed the the universe like i said in this one like i thought it was like i want to know more about mars people (laughs) (laughs) yeah so I thought that there were some interesting aspects to it. Um, the characters were good. The world building and like the Mars and like learning about like the accuracy of the space stuff made it kind of complicated, but also cool. Um, and yeah, I mean, I just, it wasn't my, my favorite. It was a little slow in different parts for me. And as uh, those of you who follow us on the socials know, I just had a baby like eight weeks ago. And so it's really hard to get anything accomplished, so I think that that probably contributes to my um, not loving the book just because I had it. It was so chopped up for me, and I wasn't able to kind of sit down and enjoy it like I would have liked to. Um, but yeah, I, I like I like Holden. Um, I like I like the uh, the going back and forth, the switch between Miller and Holden's uh, 
like perspective. Um, so the I mean, I, I liked I liked the writing style. I guess. Yeah, I think they did a good job between switching perspective, and you could tell who was who because they were so polar opposites that like even without reading like whose chapter that was, you knew exactly who it was because their voice was so distinct. Um, at least I thought that. No, I agree. I mean, sometimes authors will do that whole perspective shift thing and it doesn't work for them or it doesn't work for the book and you're just mm-hmm. like get end up getting lost and i think that this the author did a good job on this one yeah i think that's one thing that's kind of cool about writing with a writing team like this where there's two people because one of the authors wrote holden and the other author wrote miller um so not only are they two dramatically different characters but they're actually they're written by two different people which is kind of oh. yeah that, that helps <laughs> that is cool so that definitely helps the you know separating things out did you guys have trouble with like the g-force like i was trying to figure out like what the hell gravity i was like mathing it and i'm like okay so what is earth normal gravity for this so i can be like okay is this like a huge g-force jump or not oh that was barbara was that meme where the lady has like math equations which is the brazilian soap opera is it really by the way that's funny I, I mean, I, and I think that I thought they did a good job explaining a lot of the scientific elements that were that were deeper in here. And I, I mean, you got an understanding of the G's, I think, by the end. I of had the a book. Google. I had a Google. Oh, you that. did Google it. Yes, you helped me remember because I was trying to do math and convert, yeah. and I was like, I can't figure. I, this I out. remember that. <laughs> so, as you guys know, at this point, we don't go into our individual scores. That's uh, that's at the end. But uh, our group score for this one was a seven point four out of 10 damn it barbara and your decimals um it strikes again it's her fault it's entirely her fault this would be an even like per, nice round number but it's not it's a 7.4 out of 10 that's our score um so the next part of this is would you recommend the book uh, i'm gonna let lauren start um to people like me no <laughs> um <laughs> just just in the sense that it's not um I don't know. It wasn't bad. Like this, I don't want it to come across, but I did give it, I guess we're not going into our regular, our individual scores. So it's, it's my bad. Um, I gave it a better score than, I'm sorry. (laughs) I gave it a slightly better score than some of the sci-fi novels that we have read, mainly just because I liked the author and I like authors and the book, the, um, just the characters and the different perspective shifting and all that. However, I feel like space opera, like I said, it's just it's not my jam. And I'm sure it is for for some people. Some people are probably have read all the space opera books. Also, why is it called space opera? Are they singing? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't get that either. Michael, do you know? So the yeah, so the the reason that it's called that is it's the just the the breath of of it when it's um when it's in a sci-fi book, this takes place in, in a large universe. In this case, our universe. Um, it, uh, it that that's just the idea is that it, it's a it's a huge world that it takes place in, um, and yeah. it's it's large and it's um, the story itself is you know it's it's exciting and. Um, but why not Space Odyssey? I feel like that's a cooler. Yeah, that's you're just, welcome. That's that's just not the title they picked. That's, that space is opera true. has been around for like since at least the seventies. So okay, well they should have asked me. So hey, I agree. <laughs> I'll go next on this one. Um, so the answer for me is I would recommend the book to most of my friends uh, and people that I run into. So if, if you ask me, my assumption is if somebody walks up to me, is like, "Hey, Michael, should I read Leviathan Wakes?" Like you're probably not someone who hates sci-fi if you're holding the book in your hand wondering should i read this so my answer to that person is going to be yes 
Uh, to people who are completely like no sci-fi, they just don't like that, it's going to be a no. Um, but then I also have to think about people like, like my mom, who is, she's super into mystery books, like murder mystery and that kind of stuff. She does like some sci-fi, but it's not as big into it as I am and some other people might be. Um, and I think people like that who have an interest in sci-fi at least a little bit and also like the other stuff, because this, this book brings together multiple genres. Um, I think I think I wouldn't recommend it to people like that. As long as you like sci-fi just a little bit, like if you're a big fan of some of these other genres like mystery, um, I think you might like this book. Um, you, you might not, but you'd like it more and I'd be more likely to recommend it to that person than someone who's like, yo, I I hate space and astronauts. That's <laughs> just, I, that's not my jam. There's like, no astronauts. There are astronauts. I mean, that's what they're called when they're in space. Like, there's people in suits no, walking around No, those people space. live there. They're not astronauts. But they're, they walked around in suits. That's not an astronaut. I'm sure if you... That's... We're, we're splitting hairs here. But... <laughs> so, yeah. The, I, the, my answer is yes. For the most part, yes, I would recommend this book. Unless you're someone who just does not like science fiction. Um, yeah. I would agree with both things. Um, I, I would recommend it, but not to people... Uh, but only to people who like science fiction. I feel like if you're really aren't into this type of genre um it might be kind of tough for you to enjoy it even with the mystery thrown in as michael mentioned i still don't think that would be enough to sway people who don't like science fiction um i feel like if you enjoy a little bit of science fiction even this might not be for you because this is very heavy on the science fiction um it has got this the mystery aspect of it but like i said like it it hits the ground running with the science fiction aspect to the point where I was a bit confused at times. I was like, what is going on at certain parts? Um, and then I got more used to the, the what, what is the, the, the lingo of the science fiction, I guess I would say, um, a little bit later in the chapters. Um, but yeah, I mean, I would recommend it if I knew someone liked science fiction. Um, I enjoyed it enough to recommend it for those type of people. Okay, so that uh, that's that's it. We're, we're winding down on the first half of our podcast. Uh, for those of you that do want to read this book and haven't read it yet and are leaving us, uh, don't forget to give us a rating on, on Apple Podcasts, on Spotify, wherever it is you're listening to the podcast. Give us a rating. That really helps us pop up in searches and uh, and helps other people potentially find, Spread the, the, word. find the podcast. Yeah. Uh, and then also make sure you're following us on Instagram uh, as well as on Facebook. We've got a Facebook page now. Um, our handle in both places is at Badass Lit Pod. We'd love to hear from you guys. Uh, if you've got a book you want us to read, let us know. Um, on that note, one thing that's kind of cool, this is actually the last book we're doing that one of us had to pick. We've mm-hmm. gotten enough recommendations from you guys um, that we've got a pretty solid list Yay. of episodes to do off of books that our listeners recommended. So that's yeah. pretty awesome. Um, but. But you should keep recommending them as well. Yeah, don't yes, stop. Yes. We want more. We'll keep adding to the list. Um, and speaking of upcoming podcasts, let's talk about what's coming next month. Uh, so here's a short preview from Barbara. Yeah, so next month we are reading Cinder, which is book one in the Lunar Chronicles by Marissa Mayer, Woo-hoo. which was recommended to us by a listener, Bethany, and she also has a podcast, and you can listen to that, and it's called The Prince Kai Fan Pod. I've actually been a guest... Um, on that podcast, I think two episodes now. Yeah. So Third go check it out. Coming. I'm pretty cool on it. <laughs> Anyways, um, here is a preview of Cinder. Humans and androids crowd the raucous streets of New Beijing. A deadly plague ravages the population. From space, a ruthless lunar people watch, waiting to make their move. No one knows that Earth's fate hinges on one girl. 
Cinder, a gifted mechanic, is a cyborg. She's a second-class citizen with a mysterious past. Reviled by her stepmother and blamed for her stepsister's illness, but when her life becomes intertwined with the handsome Prince Kai's, she suddenly finds herself at the center of an intergalactic struggle and a forbidden attraction. Caught between duty and freedom, loyalty and betrayal, she must uncover secrets about her past in order to protect her world's future. With high-stakes action and a smart, resourceful heroine, Cinder is a Cinderella retelling that is at once classic and strikingly original. Woo! There we go. So that's the synopsis for the book next month. Uh, I'm really excited for this one, and I, based on Lauren's cheer at the beginning, I think she's excited for it, too. Yeah, I'm, I've already read it, so I'm going to reread it, because it's been a hot second since I read it. But I really enjoyed this, so... Yeah, so that... This is one that's actually been on my list for a while. Really? Well, there you go. Mm-hmm. I'm so excited. <laughs> so, so, yeah, um, I, I think... did You mentioned that Bethany's going to be on the podcast, Yeah, too, so right? Bethany will also be guest uh, starring or hosting yeah. um, on that. So we'll have four of us just, you know, duking it out. So it should be good. Okay. So now if you're still here, remember the second part of our podcast we're about to get into is an in-depth look at the book. So if you want to read it and you don't want it to be spoiled, stop listening right now and come back and listen to the rest when you're done. This message is specifically for James. James, you've been bothering me about this all week when this episode's going to post, and I know you want to read this book. <laughs> so turn it off right now and don't listen to the second half. Bethany Finger, the host of Prince Kai Fan Pod, a Marissa Meyer Book Club podcast. Join me every week during my read along journey through all of the books by author Marissa Meyer, one chapter at a time, spoiler free. Each episode will feature a different guest, new fan art, and laughter and joy through reading. You can find Prince Kai Fan Pod on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and all other listening platforms. And now, back to the show. Now, for those of you sticking around, for the spoilers, here we go. So the first question we're going to dive into here, not that deep of a question, but it's important, and I feel like we need to talk about some of the parts of the book we weren't able to in the first half. So what did you like about the book, and also what did you dislike about the book? So I want to hear both sides of that, and I'm going to let Barbara start on this one. Okay, so like I mentioned earlier, I really liked the universe, like very much so. They go into so much detail it's insane um so we have your normal people from earth but it's not like the earth that we know because it's obviously it's like the very very far future so um like for example holden has like eight parents like four dads and like three moms or something like that it's like something weird like that and it like raises just him um then you have you know, the the Martian colony, like the, the people who moved to Mars and colonized Mars, and they're like a subgroup of humans, but they're considered the Martians. And then you have people from, and I think it's Ceres, is that how you pronounce it? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think that's right. That's how um, I pronounced it anyway. Which is what they, like, the belt is what they call them. Um, and it's pretty much like this, I don't know, like this piece of rock that they turned into like a place to live um and it like goes into 
details on how they got it to orbit and blah blah and the gravity it's really cool and what i enjoyed about not even like all these subcultures of just earth people these aren't even or humans i should say like it's not even we haven't even talked about aliens yet um (laughs) They all look different. Like, the people from belt the belt, just because of how the gravity is, like, they're taller and lankier and slimmer, and they have, like, long necks and big foreheads, and it's just, like, the detail that they went into this to, like, scope what these people look like and how gravity would affect them is just mind-boggling to me, and I thought that was so cool. Like, I really enjoyed that part of the book. So I really, really like the universe. I'm curious to know in future books, like, if we're going to, like, actually get to visit Mars, because we didn't get to visit Mars here. This book is pretty much set in the belt, and then, like, a few stations that they call them, and then pretty much, like, little airships or spaceships, I guess. Spaceships. Spaceships. And stuff like that. Um, So that's what I really enjoyed about this. And I'm actually pleasantly surprised, because... I don't mind science fiction, but, like, I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I apologize. Like, it's fine. Get out. Um, (laughs) I know. I'm sorry. Um, So I was just surprised that I really enjoyed this, and I want to know more about the universe. I really enjoyed the characters. Um, There wasn't really one character where I was like, ugh, I hate them. Like, I I feel like they were all flawed with a nice flaw. It wasn't your stereotypical, like, hero trope and stuff like that they all had their flaws you know i guess like what i disliked i feel like it was a little slow like for the world building like this is the first book it kind of you you get thrown a lot of information there and at times i feel like it wasn't enough information for other parts because i was a little confused at times um um, but yeah, and, and I feel like I was always just left wanting more, and I'm not sure like what that more is. I would read the book, and there was not ever a point where I was like, oh, okay, I, like, I can't wait to read the next chapter. In the beginning, it was like that, because it was like, bam, bam, like action, people dying, like a lot of people die, murder, and stuff like that. And I'm like, ooh, what happens next? But after, I want to say maybe halfway through the book that kind of drops a little and you get more of like the resolving and what's actually going down and that's kind of where my interest in it kind of plateaued because I was like okay like people aren't getting murdered as much like what is actually going on and the and the two characters converge so it's not like you get like complete different it's just continuing the story so at times I feel like that was a little slow and hard for me to be like, oh, okay, can't wait to read the next chapter. Because I was like, eh, it's going to be like right where we left off. So. Okay, fair enough, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I I, um, I liked a lot of things about the book. I liked the way the characters are written. Um, I'll get into that a little bit more in the, another question about the, like what I really liked about certain characters. But um, I liked the characters that were there. I thought that there was the action scenes when they did happen were written very well. Very, a lot of tension. Um, which is which is always good in this kind of a book to keep you on the edge of your seat when that's happening. Um, the only thing I really disliked is pretty much the same thing Barbara said. Is that it was it was a little bit slow at times. Um, there are times I felt like I just couldn't stop reading the book, and then there were other times where it was like, oh man, when are we going to get something exciting? And I mean that's going to happen a little bit, and that, that's one of the things Barbara mentioned in the first half of the podcast that maybe in the future books there'll be less of that because the future books won't have to do as much world building. Um, one thing that uh, that was kind of interesting. I, so I, 
I tried to figure out like, when this book is set because with science fiction stuff, especially when it's set in our own universe, that's something that's always interesting to me. And this one, the authors left it intentionally vague. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing we really get is that Leviathan Wakes takes place 150 years after the Epstein Drive was invented. Which allowed them to Which allowed them to quickly. get out to the belt. Yeah, right. that let them get beyond Mars, essentially. Um, quickly. And much faster. Yeah. And so, but obviously the Epstein Drive is something that the author made up. Um, so oh, did. I, I got on the internet, the good old trusty internet, to see if anybody had done a deep dive on this. And I found a blog and somebody had really, <laughs> really looked into this. And so um, the, the general assumption that this person made was that um, since the book takes place 150 years after the invention of this drive, um, that'll put it around because we, and we know that Mars was colonized before the drive because that's that's what they said um that's probably like 250 years since mars was colonized and spacex thinks mars will be colonized by 2032 or 2035 and so that would then put this book taking place roughly around 2290 to 2420 depending on your math there so it's a pretty decent jump yeah, we the won't future. be alive once None of us will happens, be alive. You know, no. the Epstein Drive and all that. Lauren will be alive because she's immortal, but the, <laughs> yes. the the other two of us won't. I, I, I exposed your secret. It's out now. No one... I had I had to drink unicorn blood, though. <laughs> so that, that's my, just my gen, general feelings about the book. Uh, Lauren, what about you? What did you like? What did you dislike? Um, So I liked the descriptiveness that we got of the... I'm going to call it the world, world building, whatever... Because technically, yeah, sure, it's in our universe, but it's really not at all. Like, <laughs> as far as, like, something that we would see every day, like, so I liked the the descriptions of the characters of the the ambiance or, like, the environment. Um, I thought that that worked really well. Um, I liked the political and social interaction type stuff that was kind of um, a- paralleling with what we would talk about but then also happening in space which is just weird there were several times throughout um listening to this book because i i listened to it on audible audible if you want to you know sponsor us and give us a little paid ad here that'd be fine <laughs> um and uh there are a few times that like you forget that you're like the where they're at i guess or maybe that's just me um and then i'm like oh wait this is technically in our our universe not some crazy alien planet other right like it just seems it seems weird when michael keeps like saying like this is taking place like in our our universe and i'm over here like mm, not the one i live in but <laughs> technically it is um i liked the characters i liked miller um i liked holden i know that i mean i don't know that it's a popular opinion to like holden he's just kind of flat but um anyway i also liked the um the only thing that got this a redeeming factor in my rating was that it's kind of a crossover between being super sci-fi but then also having that mystery element so um that was nice that it had the kind of um the whodunit and mystery thing weaved in um made it more more appealing to the people like me who aren't huge fans of of the sci-fi i didn't like that it was kind of slower 
Um, I had a hard time getting into it. And then I felt like I got really into it. Like the first, so like the first few chapters I had a hard time. And I think it was just because all the lingo and like trying to like get absorbed into like the environment and just all of the different terminologies and stuff like Barbara was saying, as far as having to look things up and all of that. And then I feel like the first third ish was interesting. And then it kind of plateaued for me um, as far as just being like a little bit slower to drag on. Um, but yeah, that's what I thought. So the next question, someone was kind of covered this in the last one, but the next question is what did you guys think of the pacing? Was it too slow? Did you want more? Um, and I'll, I'll start this one since I keep having you guys start. Um, for, for me, the pacing, I mean, it's a little bit of both. Uh, there were times where I was like, oh man, this is so slow. Like if it could just, this chapter could just be over, that'd be great. And then there are other times where I was like, oh man, that, like that was really exciting. I want more, I give me more info. Um, so I think for this book, at least in my perspective, it was a little bit of both. Um, the pacing was, was overall, I would say average, um, because it was both good and bad. It wasn't, you know, fantastic. It wasn't awful. Uh, it was both. yeah i think the pacing was a little all over the place like it starts off at least slow in my opinion just because like lauren mentioned like i it took me a second to get used to the space opera (laughs) lingo and then it just kind of hit the ground running like i said like people were murdered like right off the bat a whole freaking spaceship just boom dead and so you're like oh whoa what the hell and then like more murderous stuff happens and then it, like, reaches one part of the story and you're like, okay, kind of slowed a little. And then kind of went back up to, like, action stuff happening. And then I thought, like, it was going to end. Like, that was the ending. And it's like, nope, just kidding. We're going to throw in this little curveball of an ending type thing. And then it just ended. And I'm like, okay, what the, what the hell? <laughs> like, you can't just, like in like that so i feel like the pacing was a little all over the place i would have preferred it to be a little more not so jumpy for me personally um i feel like it sometimes it took me out of the story because it was just like all in your face and then not and back um but i guess i don't know i like for mystery i feel like it's like that slow build and then you get bam 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 and this one was like Slow build, and then bam. And then slow build, and then bam. So it's like, oh, huh, okay. Um, I agree with Barbara that the pacing kind of came and went. Um, and in my current phase of life, I feel like I need things to be um, paced more rapidly so that I can, you know, just bam, bam. Thank you, ma'am. Is that the phrase? That's not a good phrase. <laughs> We're going to go ahead and not use that phrase in talking about the space opera. Um, (laughs) but it would have been nice to have it be a little bit more fast paced um as far as that goes because I feel like it would have been easier for me to uh maintain my focus that's the one thing about audiobooks that I found um that is not desirable is that if I'm not if it's like a slower paced book or if it's a book that I'm not getting super into um it's really easy to put it on in the background and then uh not pay attention like like I would if I were sitting down and actually reading um the other downside to it is that if you have a screaming infant um you can't really hear over (laughs) hear over that to to do that but um I did like uh I felt like it was well paced for a while and then it like kind of fell off like Barbara said there were like all these murders happening and 
um, action. And then so it, like nothing happened for a while. And then it just um, was kind of hit or miss. So that's, it needs to be all hit and no miss. <laughs> <laughs> so next question, many people, including Miller and the crew of the Ro- Rosinante that I always have to yeah, pronounce? Rosinante. Rosinante. Called, James, called James Holden a righteous man, a good man, and even the best man they know. How does he demonstrate his goodness in the book, and how does he fail to live up to his reputation for this righteousness? Barbara, you want to go first? Sure. Um, so I think he just generally cares for his crew members. Um, and the human race in general. And I feel like to a fault at times. Um, I think he sometimes doesn't think about the bigger picture, which causes more issues for him and harm to others, like him just blasting out what he thought happened. And then it kind of, honestly, let's be honest, he led to the war. Like, he led to Earth and Mars attacking each other and a bunch of people dying because he couldn't, he he just thought everyone should know the truth, but he didn't really know what he was showing the world. He just kind of was like, here, you do with it what you will information. And people are like, well, crap, so war. <laughs> so I, I feel like that's kind of how he failed to live up to that, just because he started a war. Like, he really did. That was his fault. So for me... Um, Holden was loyal, dependable, caring, and determined, all those things. Um, And in this universe, as well as our own, I guess they're the same, um, (laughs) that makes, that makes, that makes you a righteous man. And so these people all think, think the world of him. And and like Barbara said, it's because, you know, he genuinely does care about the well-being of his crew. And he seems to genuinely care about the well-being of, of everybody. Um, He demonstrates his goodness by sticking to his principles in any situation uh one in particular you know there miller uh has a tendency to to kill people that he doesn't agree with and take the Uh, take the law into his own hands he literally said that this was the most killing he'd ever done when he was in um euro's station before this in this book he does a fair amount of killing um and after he does it the first time holden makes it clear like this is not okay I don't think this is okay. Like you don't get to be judge, jury, and executioner, um, and 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 he eventually like that happens enough that Holden kicks him out of the crew, kicks him off the ship, and says, "Hey, you can't come with us. Like you have to stay here, find another ride." Um, so I think in that moment, in that scene, he he both showed his righteousness as well as li- failed to live up to the reputation for it as well. Because I think the Holden that everybody knew and like put on a pedestal like yeah they know he's going to stick to his beliefs but at the end of the day part of that is being forgiving and you know still continuing to care about other people and and so that would have meant that he would have maybe been angry at Miller held a grudge maybe not talked to him as much but he still would have let him come on the ship to get a ride home and so I think in that oh. moment he actually he actually failed a little bit there to, to live up to the expectations of the crew. right and so, I mean, while he may not agree with what Miller was doing, clearly didn't, uh, that action seemed cold and unlike. I thought that was a very, like, unlike Holden thing to do, to kick him off the ship. Yeah, um, he, you screw him over one time and he exiles you for life. Yeah, pretty yeah. much. Lauren, what about you? Um, I mean, so I agree with um, some of what both of you guys said. 
I think that he genuinely cares for the crew and for humans in general. I think that um, he is kind of like Michael said, just to a fault um, at times, sticking to his principles. Um, And yeah, I don't really have a whole lot else to add. So next question is something Barbara kind of touched on a little bit in her last answer, but uh, do you agree with Holden's philosophy and methods about free information? Um, So the question is really like, do you agree with his views and then why or why not? Uh, I'll start this one. And so for me, no, like I I don't agree with his views. I I can see where he's coming from. And I think that, you know, everybody, like a transparent government and transparency is, is a generally a good thing. But when you're just blindly sharing information without knowing if it's true, uh, without knowing what the effects of that information on, you know, the, the universe will be, um, I, I think that's reckless. Um, and, and I think, I think that he needed to take some time to think about what he was sharing because like Barbara said, like, I mean, the information he shared, true or not, started a war. Mm -hmm. Um, you mean like our current media? (laughs) Yeah. So, I mean, it's reckless to just, to just dump information without vetting it to see if it's accurate or not. And so in this case, while I'm all for like freedom of information and all that, like you got to make sure it's like, it's good information that's being spit out. Uh, and so, no, I don't agree with him in this case. Kind of like how Lauren mentioned, like, I, no, I, I, I don't think to the extent that he does that, uh, everyone's entitled to free information. Um, I feel like it's funny. This was written in 2011, but it kind of honestly is very accurate for what's going on right now. Like, I feel like this is a great example of how information for us right now is just right at our fingertips due to the internet, to news, Twitter, everything. everything. And sometimes I feel like that's not a good thing uh, because people just forget to fact check or just look up the information. Like, you honestly, you could Google anything you want and you're going to find one website that says it confirms that your theory about a new space alien is true you know like it's that kind of a thing i feel like you have to take everything with a grain of salt or you're just going to believe anything you read or see or hear um uh, yeah information should be readily available but i just feel like you have to do your own research afterwards and in his case like he just threw out allegations like hey we found this mars piece in this tracking device and so it has to be mars and mars is like well what the heck like that no and then earth is like bah attack the martian people and then later it's like oh we found earthen ships that attack attack the mars ships they wouldn't attack themselves so it must be earth and it's like well here you go you just started a war because you just readily available this information without really thinking about the consequences yeah i feel like that the whole free information thing like i get where that could be valuable as far as having like access just like the transparency like of being with government and stuff like having it be to where people know what's going on and and all of that to a a certain extent but then like barbara mentioned it's it's ironic that this was written you know when it was and this being (laughs) applicable now it's and even with the fact checking thing like literally facebook and the different social medias now have little art or little task bar thing that pops up under an article that somebody posts that says like 
this information is fake news or like this this has been proven to be false and it's like so now not only are we not doing our own research but like we're letting facebook or somebody else basically tell us that this is false information and like then you just go online and you can confirm anything that that you want like barbara said about you know alien invasions and different things like you're gonna find something that's gonna confirm that that's accurate and so i think it's definitely dangerous um like michael said to to the extent that that he does um because it's just obviously started a war and um there are parallels with that too with our our world and society as far as like the media and um just misinformation starting starting conflict internationally so so the next question is about our other main character miller um throughout the book miller has hallucinations of his ex-wife and then later in the book julie mao why do you guys think he has these hallucinations and what do you think the hallucinations signify about him as a person do you want me to use my counseling degree yeah go for it <laughs> sure, yeah, no. go first one. <laughs> i'm very curious to know what you thought of that <laughs> so um i feel like with miller that he does have like some mental health issues going on which i always think it's interesting when authors decide to write this into books um or kind of you know shed light on some of the more the things that are not as talked about so props to them for um creating a character that has some some flaws or whatever um but he's it seems like he is showing clinical symptoms of depression and um possibly just because he's been like removed from human contact for like if that makes sense that i think that he just is so if a person for the hallucination piece and obviously this was in like some other kind of realm but usually they have they're having a disconnect with reality to some extent um and so a disconnect with reality co- combined with any kind of depression or anxiety issues can can definitely cause a person to a person's brain to trick them into thinking that they're seeing things that they either are wanting to see or that um subconsciously they're thinking about things like that um i just feel like he it, it just lacks interaction with people yeah i mean i and Actually, the, the first thing I wrote down for this question was that I think that Miller suffers from uh, a few different mental illnesses, and one of them was depression, like Lauren mentioned. And I think he also might um, might suffer from PTSD, just from yeah. some of the, you know, he, he's he used an action movie trope. He's seen some shit, um, and, and I think that that's that's caught up to him. And um, these hallucinations, though, I think are a side effect of that, but also just because I, I think that he's very lonely. Yeah. Um, painfully lonely uh he, he he's got no one you know no family um and you notice throughout the book like whenever there's a person that comes into his life that that, can, that has like the you know the potential to be a real connection like he latches onto him um whether that is uh H- Havelock, his first his partner before all of this um or uh, holden you know he or the crew from or the crew Rossi, in general Rossi. like he he feels a part of something and i think that's part of you know that that's good for him and i think that that's also what made that that scene i was talking about earlier sting so much when holden kicked him out um 
but I think at the end of the day, the hallucinations are are just a, a human in his mind, any way that he can connect to, and not feel so lonely. Yeah, I mean, just to <clears throat> mirror what you guys said, I just think he's had a disconnect with humans. Like, I I, I don't think he can relate to people anymore, um, because he hasn't really had anyone. After his ex-wife left, he's pretty much alone, and he just has his partner that he talks to in the beginning. So he just kind of make made up these versions of the people he knew or wants to know in his head so that he can have, like, conversation with people without actually having a conversation with someone. I feel um, as though it just kind of signifies that he was just going through the motions and had maybe already given up on life, and... Um, with Julie, like, that was kind of what made him want to come back and, and you know, like, he even mentions it, like, first he, he wanted to find her, and then he wanted revenge for her, um, for her death, and then afterwards he just found out that he just wanted to meet her at the end and actually talk to her for real. Um, and he even says that in, in the book, so I, I feel like it's just his way of connecting to people but really, not really, because they're not, they're a figment of his imagination. Like, they're not really there. I liked, so. I mean, and I know this wasn't the question as far as, like, did you like Miller or not? Um, but I just wanted to throw out there that I felt like, like, he's a character that, like, was written to the extent that you can kind of empathize with him or sympathize for him, I guess, as far as just the, he was very, like, cynical. But then with, when you saw, you know, the searching for, for Julie and like all of that, like you could see some of his more, more of his personality come out as far as that goes. But it, it seemed like he was like kind of a dark sense of humor, like cynical um, and just kind of going through emotions, I think is what Barbara, were you the one that said that or yeah. was it Michael? That was Barbara, yeah. Yeah. So, but I liked him like, He's not a necessarily like that much of a likable guy in certain aspects, but I I thought that it was like I liked Miller. Yeah, it's a perfect segue into the next question, which is a little bit a uh, little bit easier of a question, I guess you could say. But uh, who, who's your favorite character? Um, who was your least favorite character? Um, I'll start this one, I guess. And so for me, my favorite character it was hard. You know, it was hard to pick one, but I think it had to be Miller for me. I I really liked his character. I thought the way his character was written um, was really well done. Um, you felt for the guy, you liked him, you didn't like him, like different times of the book, like there were all sorts of different emotions surrounding his character. Um, and I think it, you know, I'm not going to go into a ton of detail because there's a question later on where I'm going to talk about some of the same stuff, but um, I think he was a really good anti-hero and I'm, I'm drawn to anti-heroes in books and TV shows and movies. So it was, uh, it was fun to read him. I was really sad when he died. Well, maybe died at the end, I guess we, they kind of left that open. Like, yeah. He could be alive uh, on Venus. Who knows? Um, I think he's dead. Yeah, maybe just like his mind is with the prodigy. Yeah, proto model. Proto molecule. Oh, sorry, I forgot my least favorite character. Um, I actually, I don't think I had a least favorite character. To be honest, mm. uh, if you made me pick a least favorite character, I, maybe Fred. <laughs> uh, Poor Fred. And I didn't hate Fred, but a lot... I mean, there's a question about Fred later that kind of explains why Fred's kind of a douche. But at the end of the day, I mean, Fred was doing what he thought was right and what he thought was good for his people. Um, But anyway, yeah, Fred would probably be my least favorite character if I had to pick one. 
like I was just saying before, I think that um, I would say that Miller is probably my favorite character. Um, I He just has different, like, layers, I guess. Like, it seems like there's a lot more to him than what we necessarily even get. And um, I do think that he died, unfortunately. Uh, maybe he, maybe he's hanging out in Venus, but um, I don't, I don't think that I, I don't, I just don't think that he did. Um, and I don't know that I have a least favorite character. Um, some of like the, I felt like there were quite a few characters that didn't get developed as much as I would have liked, and so I guess just like some of the side characters, um maybe would just be considered a lesser favorite just because we didn't get as much info on them. Well, uh, I guess I'm going to be the odd one out here. But as far as the overall book, my favorite character was Naomi. I thought she was smart. She wasn't sexualized whatsoever. And she wasn't there as just a lot of interest. Like, she didn't put up with holding shit either, which I enjoyed because... I feel like he's like this little lost puppy dog that fell in love with anyone that like batted their eyes at him or he noticed. So it's like one, his last girlfriend gets blown up. It's like moving on to the next one. It's like, geez, dude, come on. Um, but as far as like between the two point of views, I definitely liked Miller more than Holden. Um, I don't have a least favorite either, which I think is all surprising in that none of us really like, I, th- I think that's just a credit to the authors. Like they, wrote well characters yeah some of the side characters didn't get too much but like i said i think that's just because of the nature of this just being the first book and so i have a feeling that we're gonna get to know more of holden's crew members like alex and amos and um so i'm not too worried about that um but I kind of disliked Holden at times just because of his righteous attitude. Uh, it kind of rubbed me the wrong way. I feel like he was a bit naive about a lot of stuff. Yeah. Which is weird because he's a captain, so it's like, I don't know, like, you'd think you'd live enough lifetime to not be so naive about things. Um, but that wasn't just, like, a deal breaker for me. Like, I enjoyed reading his character. Sometimes I'm like, oh, God, get over it yourself. Um <clears throat> But, yeah, and I really did enjoy Miller. I liked him more than Holden, personally, and I was a little bummed that uh, he uh, turned into an alien life form of some sort. <laughs> Naomi is a badass, though. Yeah, yeah, she was, for sure. Next question is taking us back to the deep end. What were the roles of women in the book and in the world, and were they well-written characters? Were there enough female characters? Barbara, you want to start this one? Um, sure. So it was really nice to see women in positions that are normally associated with men um like miller reported to captain shadid in saris and naomi was the second in command to holden and the chief engineer so like she's top dog in engineer class in like their you know ship that blew up (laughs) in the canterbury um so like that's very impressive um and there was also that the captain of the Donager, how do you Donager? Donager, Donager. Either way, um, she she was a female too, and she seemed like a badass until she also met her demise. Um, and then the little bit that we got to see Julie, she was like a total badass. Like she single handedly kicked everybody's ass up until like someone like chopped her in the back and was like no, nah! and then she like <laughs> passed out. But like she would have been able to like save her whole crew from the scopuli if that hadn't happened to her. 
So I did enjoy her, the little that we did get to see her. I wish we could have seen more of her, but I understand why we didn't. Um, I guess technically we got to see some part of her in Miller's <laughs> daydreams of her, I guess. Yeah. Um, but I would have liked to have seen more female characters with bigger roles because I feel like they were small. Like Naomi was the one that had the biggest role and she still was a side character. Um, so I, I feel like there weren't enough of them. But I did hear that the second book had more female characters, so I'm excited for that. Because I think what they did with what we were given, I enjoyed. Even, like, Shadid, she seemed like kind of a bitch, but, like, you know, she was the captain. And it's kind of cool to see a female in that role. So, so I totally agree with Barbara that it was good to see women in uh, positions in the book that are generally, you know, jobs or roles that are held by men. Uh, it was it was cool to see that. Uh so and it was awesome to see these strong badass women, these military and security and police roles. Um, Naomi was definitely a badass. You know, she's uh, in some cases, in some at some points of the book, even more so. Like she's stronger than Holden is emotionally. Um, but uh, but yeah, so I'm hoping we get to see more of her and more female characters in general in the sequels. There were not a whole lot here. I understand why there weren't. Um, they kind of tried to focus on the the core group, I think, in this one, and I think we might get some more characters going forward. But what about you, Lauren? I will echo um, both of you. I'm always down for more female characters. I feel like a lot of like the books that we read, and it's not just because we pick you know male heavy books. It's because I feel like in general most people think that books with male characters, more male characters, sell better for whatever reason. I don't know. I liked that they had Naomi in there. Like Barbara said, I think that if we could have gotten more of Julie, I think that would have been cool. Um, and obviously the fact that we got to see a female in a power position is uh, also nice. Just because I feel like they're often just like side characters or yep. like sex objects or... Um, which I'm now realizing power position might have sounded like that as well. So... <laughs> <laughs> I meant to say position of power, which, um, you know, whatever, but um, that's, that's my bad. It was also, also really nice to see, like, Naomi wasn't, like, a hysterical female. Like, when yes. everything, like, kind of hit south, she wasn't like, well, my God, what do we do? She's like, hold in, get your shit together. We're doing this. We got to do this. And I was like, yes, queen. <laughs> so that was nice. Yeah. No, no, no damsel in nope, distress. Not, not, not even once. And... When she wanted to have the sexy time with him, she knew exactly what. And she was like, dude, are you going to man up or not? Pretty much, yeah. I'm ready for it. Yep. I love that. That cracked me up when I read that. I was was giggling to myself. That was funny. So next question deals with some parallels between our current world and this one. Um, And it's talking about uh, the different people. So the enters, people on the inner planets hold power, speak cleanly. Uh, they're polished. In comparison, the Belters live in squalor and speak a blending of languages. Uh, what commentary do you think Leviathan Wakes makes on class, race, and colonialism? Uh, and I'll start with this one. I thought the commentary the authors were trying to make is that this society, even though it's so many years in the future, is not too different from our own. Um, the Enters are rich, powerful, well-educated, um, like you know, the elite upper-class citizens of America or any country today. Um, and then the belters, I think, are represented as like the, the blue collar workers. Um, in some cases, like the, your stereotypical um, 
I'm going to say like street criminals, like if you see in like the 20s movies, um, or like it's like the, the mob or the mafia. Um, you saw that kind of stuff more there, um, rough characters, um, rednecks, for lack of a better word, for some of these people. Um, and the, you know, the, the languages too, like the, the question mentioned, like the, the, you know, the inners spoke clear English. Um, the, the language, some of the belters spoke reminded me of like, uh, like Cajun Creole, um, combination of, of multiple languages um, and I thought it was interesting that the authors put that into the book and there were there was one particular character that talked to Miller and that's how he spoke was in this this other like blended belter language and it was hard to read at times but it was it was cool if they they incorporated that to show to show that difference um, but I think it really just illustrates that in this future the gap between rich and poor has gotten even larger um, and these the cultural differences between people um, have or even greater, or even even further apart than they are now. Um, I don't know if I agree with the cultural difference. I feel like if anything, the belt is literally what America should have been, which is a melting pot. Like everyone's like, "Oh, America is a melting pot." Like right now, nowadays, I feel like people are not with that, um, and I feel like that's what the belters are—is literally such a subgroup of people that have cr- procreated with each other that you just get this blend of just. You don't even know what they're... Like, Naomi is Asian, African-American, and something else that they're not even sure. Like, they're saying, like, her looks kind of look so diverse that it's hard to pinpoint exactly, like, where she came from. And I think that's really cool. Um, it It's one of those things where, like, it would be interesting to see, like, how, how different we would be as a society if we really were that well-blended instead of just having, like how we are now as a population um as far as the um like class and stuff like that i do agree with you it's just like oh so the inner planets and the inners is just like the planets like earth and mars essentially for as far as we know from this part of the book that we've those are the only livable planets anyway it's do you have anything to add lauren to the cultural and class race colonialism all that stuff um, I think you guys covered most of it, but I did want to add to what Barbara said about um, Naomi and her different like cultural stuff. If you have not had a chance to look up the fan art for her character, I would Ooh. highly recommend it because she looks just as badass on there as she does as she, like what I would have pictured her. Moving on from there, um, at the end of the book, a suicidal ex-cop ends up saving Earth, and that suicidal ex-cop is Miller. Um, how do Miller's actions subvert the traditional hero trope? And what does this subversion tell us about the nature of heroes and about humanity? It's hard because, like, he is a hero in the sense that he saved the day, right? Mm-hmm. But he was also suicidal. And so it's it's, like, more, it definitely adds a layer of complexity to it because you don't want, in general, to, like, idolize that type of behavior and like make that a heroic act but then it's like was he doing it really to save the earth or whatever and because he wanted to see julie or because he wanted to just end his life and so i was a little bit like back and forth on that like should we be happy that he saved earth and killed himself or like i mean and then in the history books like are they going to write him as a hero or are they going to write him as a sad 
ending of a story, you know? I don't mm-hmm. know. See, I mean, I, I kind of talked about this a little bit earlier when I was talking about him as my favorite character, but in some ways he embodies the anti-hero role in this novel. Uh, he's not really a good person by any stretch of the imagination, but he's not a bad person either. He's somewhere in the middle. He's somewhere in the gray area in between, like most people. Um, you know, most people aren't Holden. They're not, most people aren't righteous, perfect people. They have flaws and stuff too. And Miller's might be more glaring than some people, but he's somewhere in the middle. Um, and so there's, there's two ways you can look. At I this have is, no you know, flaws. <laughs> she's also immortal. She's immortal so, and no flaws. Right. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the fact that Miller was willing to sacrifice his life to save the earth pushes the scales back to good a little bit for me. Um, but you've also got to take that with a grain of salt, right? Because, like, was it like, you know, Bruce Willis in Armageddon where he's like, I'm going to save the day? I mean, he did that, sure, but he's also, he wants to die. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when I was talking to Barbara about this, she was like, hey, don't forget, like, he wanted to meet Julie. And so maybe that's why he stayed behind and was doing all this. Maybe it had nothing to do with that. And so that all muddies the water a little bit um, as to whether his final act was one we should be praising him for or one that uh, he just, you know, took the the suicide way out and happened to become a martyr in the process. Um, I think it just shows that not all heroes are inherently just quote-unquote good or evil. Um, It's just like... It, and it's nice to see morally gray characters who are considered heroes because I feel like, realistically, you know, people, like Michael said, you're, not everyone's just good or evil. Like, you have flawed characteristics and flawed people, and he was a great example of that. Um, we always, you know, put heroes on these pedestals when in actuality they are just as flawed as we are. So it was nice to see that. And... Honestly, for him, it just happened that he was there at the right time, like right moment, right time type thing. Like he was planning on dying on um, the Eros station, Eros, 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 Eros station. He was planning on dying there and it just so happened that he was there and could help. You know, that's really what happened. And then when he finds out or learn, was like, oh, hey, I think it's Julie that's controlling this station i like he literally puts everyone at risks and asks colden like hey can you divert you know the missiles and stuff like that so i can go and talk to her and see her and i mean if that didn't work out what then like he was putting everyone at risk for that or everyone in earth at risk so there's also that it just happened that yes he did the right thing but it was just because he was there and planning on dying anyway, so <laughs> might as well go down with the ship and Turn, save yeah. everyone in the process. True. This next question is kind of interesting. And so it, it's talking about Miller again. And, and what are the dangers of turning people into symbols and icons at the expense of their names and characters? If you were in Fred Johnson's position, would you also use Miller's death as a tool? And by that I mean turn him into a martyr for the belt. Or would you make known the genuine, flawed, conflicted person that he actually was? Um, I'm going to let Lauren start this one because she kind of touched on this in the last question about like the dangers of putting people on a pedestal. So what do you think about that, Lauren? I mean, I just feel like that, especially for his character with just like his mental health and different things that he had going on, um, putting, I mean, talking about him in the sole sense of being heroic, um, 
and kind of idolizing that as far as like saving the earth and all of that goes without exposing some of his the more flawed things about his personality I feel like is not doing the character justice um and it's also just I mean I don't know it's it's not um it doesn't do anybody any good to to paint to like show somebody in a light that isn't accurate necessarily if that makes sense yeah it does Barbara what about you yeah just what she said like we try to paint these people as things that they aren't and then when we learn the ugly side of them it's i feel like it's a much harder pill to swallow i wasn't sure if i should mention this but like bill cosby it's like oh we yeah thought he was this great person and you know schools were named after him and we're like oh he's a great human and then it turned out like oh just kidding so i feel like it's a harder pill to swallow when you're thinking of him of who we thought he was a character on a tv show that he was painted that way and it turns out he's nothing like that character and actually an awful human and it just goes to show it's like oh great oopsies yeah um i i would not have done what fred did i would have told people who miller truly was so people realized that he wasn't just a martyr like he happened to be there yes he did save those people but you know he was planning on killing himself um, and he was just like everyone else, like a flawed character who just happened to save them. Um, and I just think giving people a false sense of hope does no one any good in the long run. That's good points. Um, I understand why Fred did what he did. Um, the people of the belt, after all this violence and war that had happened, they needed hope. And, and giving them the whole backstory of Miller would not have provided that same level of hope. But like everybody said, I mean, the problem with doing that is then, you know, if the truth comes out later, that's going to be, you know, a big, big shock to these people and, and take away all that work that you've done. Um, so overall, I disagree with that method. Uh, making someone into a symbol or an icon can have really dangerous consequences if their true character isn't, you know, what you've said that they are. Um, and to be honest, in this case, like, I think Miller could have been just as much of a hero to these people if you told him the truth like uh, at the end of the day he still saved the day and i think it's easier i mean the reason that we like anti-heroes in these books is because it's easier to relate to somebody who's mm-hmm. flawed because we are all flawed um and just you know i i enjoy reading about like you know superheroes much the next guy and they're under perfect people but that's just not reality um and i i made a different comparison than barbara did i was talking about you know how um from a marketing perspective subway Subway sandwiches put all their marketing eggs in behind Jared. Ooh, yeah. Jared was the face of Subway, yeah, and then all of a sudden, you know, all that information about him too. came out, and it's like, oh man, that's you know, it took them a long time to rebuild after that, and, and that that just shows the danger of doing this and, and putting people onto pedestals and um, lying about who they really were. Oh, I don't think Subway knew. <laughs> well, right. No. But in the, I'm, in the, I'm back to the case of the book for that. I think Subway um, was just an unfortunate... Uh... Yes, as was Bill Cosby's stuff, probably. But, um, yeah, I think oh, they... Bill Cosby's stuff? What do you mean? Oh, I don't think the people, like the network, knew what he was doing back mm. in the day. But moving That's on from good. that, last That's question. Do you want to read... Yeah. The Agreed. next book in the series, which is called Caliban's Fear. No. 
<laughs> Period. Drop the mic. Lauren, Lauren the Immortal has spoken. Yes, Lauren the Immortal has spoken. I guess, I mean, I would read it. I would read it um, if if we were made to read it. However. Um, so what's recommended again? Yeah. It, it wouldn't be something that I would just be like, I'm going to go to Barnes & Noble and pick that sucker up. Like, no. Fair enough. Um, yeah, I I would want to read the second one because I've heard like the female characters. Like, I'm excited because apparently one of the perspective is a female, so I'm curious to know like if she's gonna be just as a badass as Naomi. Maybe it's Naomi's point of view that we get to see. That would be great. I don't foresee that happening just because it would be like the same thing as Holden. But oh well. Um, so yeah, I would probably be willing to give this like to read the second one my only thing is apparently there's seven and it's still ongoing the ninth book is coming out soon so there's nine and still ongoing like that's a lot like that's a lot to like commit to and i've got commitment issues so i'm not about that life i think nine may be the end though okay i mean that's a lot yeah like i i love book series and stuff like that but honestly i think harry potter might be the longest that i've read which was seven and that was I mean, I started right when they came out, so it was, like, a decent spacing to read them. So it wasn't like I was reading all seven at once, whereas these... I mean, I would read 27 Harry Potter books, though. True, true. Um, Like, with everything else, I think I normally do about three to four in a series, I would say, is kind of where my wheelhouse has been. And I love series book. Like, I tend to have that issue where I'm constantly reading series, so it's not the lack of not wanting to read the series I just feel like I would want more and so I, I'm willing to give the second book a chance and if it grasps me then I'm you know willing to keep reading but... so for me if you, if you had asked me this question before I even started reading this book I would have said that yes I wanted to read more um, the only reason that would have changed if I just absolutely hated it but that wasn't the case um, one of my good friends really likes this series and so I, I, I plan to read the rest of it unless it just gets terrible but according to him it doesn't so i'm hoping it only gets better is that what yeah i read the second one it sounds like barbara's gonna read the second one at some point to see where it goes <laughs> lauren's Lauren, gonna be forced to have lauren's not unless one, it. unless one of you recommends it um, yeah yes just to spite you lauren so moving on no, to do the, it <laughs> just do it <laughs> moving on to the review section um Let's go talk about our individual scores. So I'll, I'll go first this time because I feel like I always go last in this section. So <laughs> I I gave the book an 8 out of 10. Um, and it didn't get higher from me because there were parts of the book that I felt like it dragged. Um, and that was that was why I chose not to, not to give it an even higher score than I did. But yeah, for me, it's an 8 out of 10. I really enjoyed it. I'm excited to read more. Lauren? Um, I gave it a 7 out of 10. Um, I felt as if that was fair because I was it was interesting. There was um there was a lot of different plot things that I really enjoyed. Um I really enjoyed the characters and the development and the description. Um the descriptiveness, I guess, of the just the world and, and that sort of thing. Um there was a good amount of action, so I liked that. It wasn't it wasn't super boring in that regard. Um so that's why it got a seven. I gave it a seven point two five. Barbara and her decibels. <laughs> um, only because I didn't like it as much as I liked Elantris or Lantris. I'll never know how Elantris. to pick, whatever pronounce that that dang book. And I gave that a seven point five. So I was like, okay, well, it can't be a seven point five because I liked Elantris more. Um, but I liked it more than Name of the Wind. Uh, so it couldn't be a seven. 
Therefore, it is a 7.25 with the Priory of the Orange Tree. So, I'd like to point out that now I have two books that are 7.25. And because of her 7.25, our group score for this book is a 7.4. Yeah, you're welcome. Out of 10. Huh. So, uh, it's, we, we, most of us liked it. Lauren's not going to read any more of it, but it doesn't sound like she hated this one. So, <laughs> no, I didn't um, hate it. Could have given her a much worse score. So that, uh, that we've gotten to the end of another episode. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. If you're still with us, we are Badass Literature Society. Uh, hopefully you liked it. Uh, if you did or didn't, let us know. Uh, if you really liked it, give us a rating on iTunes or anywhere else you listen to podcasts. That's super helpful. Um, if you've got a book recommendation, let us know. Except uh, and for then, this next As week. I always say. <laughs> I, including Lauren, that, just because you said that you know someone's going to recommend the second one now just because of it's gonna happen. probably you're, so. you've jinxed yourself yeah but we got a long way to go before we have to read it so it's true that's true, true. you have, you have a little bit of a break for the next sci-fi <laughs> one as always follow us on our instagram and our facebook where our handle is at badass lip pod that's it for this month. Yeah, just recommend us to your family and friends if you like us. If if you don't like us, recommend us to your family and friends just to spite them. I don't care. It's your business. I'm Michael. I'm Barbara. I'm Lauren. And we'll see you guys next month. Bye. Bye. Bye.